0: 21st century, doing something mean to it Do it better than anybody you ever seen Do it, scream some ladies, got a nice ring to it I guess every superhero need his theme music are back from a bit of a hiatus. I was on vacation recently and I am back ready to discuss some of the latest games that the Sixers have played. Tonight they were playing the Atlanta Hawks at home um, and it it was a difficult game to say the least. I thought that well, most people thought that they would probably come out of the gate guns blazing after a difficult and sort of frustrating loss to the Wizards in DC back home against a, a a really bad Atlanta Hawks team and it sort of just you know there was it was announced prior to the game that Embiid would miss because of a sore right ankle and he was unable to get their shoot around today and so you figure, okay, game off, they don't necessarily need him to win against the Hawks. Combine that with J.J. Reddick making his return tonight after a, I think, back tightness the last, last two games, and you thought that, that they could probably pull this, this game off without him. They should be able to do it without him, without Embiid, that is. And... But I I did sort of get this feeling early on, just before the game even started, a couple hours before the game even started, that without Embiid, this would be the kind of game that you could cough up if you weren't careful. Because the Hawks are like any young tanking team. They have a lot to prove. They have a lot of of young guys who are trying to figure out if they have spots in this league. A lot of young talent that is going to hustle and play hard because they want to win. And they're not just going to roll over and die for you. They have pride and they're gonna stick around. They're gonna to be tough and annoying, and it's up to you to sort of finish them off and out-muscle them and 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 fight your way to victory, even though talent disparity is pretty pretty uh, large. So in the first quarter, um, the game plan was very clearly to unleash Ben Simmons in the open floor. That was very evident from the opening tip. They wanted to turn the, the Hawks over and get Ben Simmons in. To the open court, so that way he could be where he's best. Everyone knows that Ben Simmons is best in transition. Not a great, great half court offensive player yet, due to his lack of jumper. But you, you, you know, you could tell that they're trying to smother them and sort of force them into rush decisions and rush plays. Maybe uh, get in there and sort of tip the ball away or bad passes or whatnot, just to get the, just to get the Sixers running. And they wanted to get Ben making decisions do, uh, do, do i hack the basket do i dump it off to jimmy do i find a shooter and that was evidently the the plan early on to the hawks to, to, to the hawks credit and to the sixers sort of failure the sixers were turning the ball over pretty well in the first quarter too in the first uh ben had nine points four assists sorry four rebounds and two assists and a steal in the first quarter um it also really sort of was evident that they wanted to get any guy that they possibly could, Butler, Ben, or Wilson Chandler into the mid to high post area so that they'd be in position to make plays for their teammates. Ben especially with this, they wanted to get him into the sort of the, the mid to high post area where they would be – where he could make plays for his teammates and a, and a dynamic passer like Ben Simmons – and a guy with a lot of size, he can and, and some speed, as we all know, he has. You can very easily, um, you can very easily, if you're Ben Simmons, see over everybody. You know, you can you can beat anybody. You guard you off the dribble really, and that's a, a, a they. I, it was obvious that Brett Brown thought but that was a good spot for Ben to operate in the mid to high post area, sort of like a LeBron sort of setup where he'll he'll start the, the possession out, top of the key, and then he'll slowly back it down, and then he'll look opposite and try to find his shooters or his cutters. That was sort of where they had Ben tonight, and he would, and it, was, it, wanted to, it wanted to get him an opportunity to make plays for his teammates in the half court via cuts, via shots, or, or what, what have you. Um, it was also, obviously, the game plan was to sort of try to get the ball around the, the elbows in the free throw line and operate from there. Saw so a lot of Butler and Ben Getting, getting the ball around the free-throw line and making plays from there. A lot of mid-range movements and, and jumpers from, from Chandler early on. Um, the Hawks turned the ball over eight times in the first quarter, but it was ultimately close after the first quarter. So we move ahead to the second quarter now. The Sixers were keeping the Hawks in the well, really— they were let. They were playing down to the Hawks and allowing them to stay in the game because they were very undisciplined on how they guarded Trey Young. Trey Young was, you know, obviously the the great shooter out of Oklahoma. People compared him to Steph Curry or what have you, and obviously the Hawks are pretty high on him because they traded the, they, tra- they traded what would have been Luka Doncic to Dallas to get Trey Young, and it was just very clear that the Sixers sort of didn't prepare well for him. They were biting on all of his dribble moves, his fake crossovers, his quick baiting moves. And he's fast enough and he's small enough that if he baits you and he, and he, and he makes a quick move with the dribble, he can get you off balance. And it ultimately enabled Young to turn the corner from the three-point line and, and, and collapse the defense around the rim because once he got past the likes of Wilson Chandler or JJ Redick or whoever it was, it was a wide open lane to the, to the, to the cup. And the Sixers had the protective rim, because that's number one, always. And that, opened, that ultimately opened up shots for Jeremy Lin, for Dwayne Dedman, for John Collins, for Vince Carter, for um, Kevin Herter, any any of those guys. And that's how they were able to stay in the game, because Treyon was able to make plays for his teammates. He wasn't scoring a ton early on. He was able to make plays for his teammates, though. The Hawks had three um, straight turnovers late in the second quarter, and that and that just became very apparent that there was no se- sort of secret formula to the, to the Sixers game plan for tonight. There was no take away th- the corner three, there was no trap, there was no double the post or whatever. It was just basic defend the Hawks as young players and force them into, into, into making bad decisions, into making bad passes, and get yourselves into open, open court where you can kill anybody. Um Mescala had three fouls midway through the second quarter and as a result, with no Amir Johnson with no Joel Embiid Amir missed the game with a migraine by the way, Um, no Joel Embiid Mescala with three fouls and with Bolden foul prone as well it, it, it forced Brett to try the small ball five experiment and Ultimately, Ben was just—it was—it was so clear. It's just so clear that Ben can't guard a five yet. He can guard a one, a two, a three, and a four. He can't guard five. He just can't. He's not strong enough, and he doesn't know how to defend it. And a prime example of this, I remembered, was Alex Len, who was a was a former lottery pick of the Suns. He's he's they declined his option, and he's now with the Hawks. Um, he got, got he received the ball in the ring. I don't, I don't remember if it was a missed shot or if it was a pass or whatever. But Ben was way too far over on the weak side, and Len was virtually was virtually wide was pretty much wide open under the basket, and um, you know Ben had had, had had to make up a lot of ground and get back to him. Ultimately, it was an easy dunk for for uh, Alex Len. In the third quarter, though, um first and foremost, the Sixers were up by two at halftime third quarter Mescala committed his fourth foul within the first two minutes of the of, of the third quarter and that obviously handicapped the sixers a lot they had to sort of pick their poison between jonah Bolden and ben at the small ball five and it really just reaffirmed to me that Mescala's is a nice three and d stretch power forward off your bench but he really is just not adequate you can't you, you can't give him heavy minutes like you could to orana yasova in fact, at the beginning, towards the earlier parts of the season, I was, you know, you'd heard me say that I liked him more than I liked Ilyasova. Those were, pro- admittedly, those are probably reactionary in the moment things because he probably made a nice block or made a nice play or made a shot that that you know was was a big time shot. The reality is that he can't defend anybody, fouls a lot, and he's not nearly a good enough three point shooter to, to 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 make it worth it, and it makes you think what did we expect you're getting from a guy who couldn't even get significant minutes on a tanking Atlanta team he's played for a couple of really bad Atlanta teams and he was barely breaking the rotation towards the end of that playoff uh that sort of that playoff era where they were they were pretty good he was barely in the rotation then and he wasn't really a big part of their roster last year and so it really it, you know it just shows you that the fact that he is your go-to backup five, he is your your significant player off the bench. It reaffirms that it really was a really it was a really bad offseason for Brett Brown and the and the general management. I don't blame Brett Brown for that though. I don't. I blame that on Brian Colangelo because his insecurity as a GM and his and his incompetence. And telling his wife things that she had, even if even if it's his wife, doesn't matter. She had no business knowing about the team. And then she goes and she creates the big the, the fake Twitter accounts and the burners. And you know, he had he has to said he has to step down and resign because he made controversial comments that criticized his own players, criticized his his coaching staff or what have you, and disclosed private information. And it wasn't like he was any kind of savior the only move he made that was a great move was bringing in JJ Redick and that was obvious he drafted Ben Simmons which was obvious um you know he he never did anything substantially great he really want to get intelligent with it and, and and move back into the past and look at history it's honestly the fault of Adam Silver he he you can, you, can, you can call it, you want to call it, say I think he stepped down or whatever. Sam I think he knew what he was doing. He was trying to create multiple avenues to acquire future assets via the draft, via the free agency or whatever, trade. He knew what he was doing. But the fact that the Sixers were losing so much, were costing the NBA so much money because they sucked, it, Adam Silver had to intervene for the sake of the business side of it. And he, basically forced Sam Hinkie out of his position and he brought in a Colangelo because the Colangelo's have a family legacy and the nepotistic Jerry Colangelo brought his son Brian in to be the GM. And let me tell you something, Brian was a GM in Phoenix, GM in Toronto, and was a GM of the There's The reason he never stuck around long enough for anywhere because he's just not that good of a GM. So he had a, I was, you know, looking back on it, Sam Hinkie was a smart guy. Adam Silver had to get involved. and had to tamper with it. And ultimately, it put Brian Colangelo in office. And with Brian Colangelo's incompetence, led to Brett Brown. And then it puts Brett Brown in a tough spot because you don't want to make a move that you might think sounds good, but it ultimately holds your team hostage with a bad contract for a couple of years. So I don't really blame Brett Brown because you're asking a – you're asking a, um, a – a CPA to be a to be a lawyer. you're asking you're asking a, a, a janitor to be a, to be a CEO. That might be a little bit of an extreme comparison, but the fact of the matter is that Brett Brown wasn't brought here to be the GM. wasn't brought here to have to be the interim uh, lead guy at the top of a hat because his GM was an idiot. He's brought here to coach and develop players and develop relationships. I don't blame Brett Brown for their lack of depth or their lack of talent on, off the bench. I blame Colangelo and I blame Adam Silver ultimately. Anyway, Muscala, uh, the fourth foul within the first two minutes of the second half. Ben is forced to play the small ball five some more. And this entire second half, the whole, the whole story was, and credit the Hawks. Hawks did a great job of, of attacking this. Lloyd Pierce appears to be a very bright young coach in this NBA. They utilize the athleticism of, sorry, I had a little bit of a tickle in my throat, um, utilize the athleticism of, their, their, of their, their big man combo of Dwayne Dedman and John Collins. And what that and what that did was on the pick and roll, it allowed guys like Herter, guys like Lynn, guys like Trey Young and and whoever else you wanna you wanna throw in that mix. Anyone with a jump shot on the Hawks um it allowed them to sort of navigate around that pick and roll and the pick and pop and use floaters. I mean the Hawks just killed the Sixers with floaters in the second half and, and, and plays around the rim. And then, if they felt like they were pressure and they were uncomfortable, they would just lob it up, and one of their athletic bigs would get up, go up there and jam it. And having the having the inadequate five really hurt the Sixers in the second half. And it tightened up the defense. It really put the defense in a bind because they couldn't let anybody in the paint. Because then it put them in a bad spot where they had to either Dwight test a floater or allow, allow a wide open floater or leave the big and let him get a dunk at the rim. I mean, obviously, they let the big get a dunk at the rim, that's, I mean, I mean no, sorry. Obviously you stay you stay closest to the rim as possible because ultimately the best shot you can give up is a shot at the rim and a floater is not quite at the rim. So with that being said, it put the Sixers in a tough spot not having an adequate five. It allowed guys like Alex Len, guys like John Collins, guys like Dwayne Deadman, who honestly are not that special players at all. They're not good, they're not really that great. They were able to just simply flip the ball over their shoulders and lay it up and in all, all second half long. Um, and really, it was, a set, it was a coming out party for Kevin Herter as a rookie. He was drafted out of Maryland in the mid-first round pick by the Hawks, and he was really sensational in the second half. He made a couple of big-time threes, created a couple shots for himself off the dribble. He was, I was really impressed by him, but ultimately, he's an okay player. He's really just an okay player, and that's that's really what he is. Um, you know, he he he. The story of it's the story of the season. He is a guard, and he's he's young. He's athletic. He can create for himself. He can shoot, and that torches the Sixers. Wilson Chandler tried it took a shots at him. He was getting he was killing Wilson Chandler. Jimmy Butler was too small for him. Um, Miscala had no chance. And Kevin Herter came alive in the, in the third quarter and really was able to bring the Hawks back and give them the lead for a little while and make, make the Sixers sweat. Fourth quarter, J.J. Retta Rett came alive finally. He had a really, really rough going of it for the majority of this game. He came alive in the fourth quarter. He drained a pair of game-tying threes at different points in, in the quarter, sort of revitalize the Sixers, and he felt like the momentum was swinging in their favor. Ultimately, the Sixers took a three-point lead with I think a minute and a half to go. Courtesy of a Jimmy Butler, uh, he was an ISO and he loves that ISO spot from, from from the from the right side wing. The right side, I mean, if you're looking if you're if you're facing the if you're facing the basket, the wing on your right side would be the right side that i that's, that's the perspective I'm operating from, and he loves to get that ball in that little area and with a, with a clear space and floor and just operate. He got a little he got he got a a, a short bank shot to go, put him up three. Ultimately, Kevin Herter pulled up on, uh, I think Ms. it was, and he nailed a game-tying three. Butler comes back down, tries to break through a double-team, turns the ball over. Hawks come back, and John Collins hits a rainbow follow away jumper with twelve with about nine seconds left in the game to put the Hawks up front. Butler comes down. It's his play. He, um, he gets himself in a really good position. Eh, no, sorry. Position. Jimmy Butler got himself in a really good position to make a play. Uh, he got fouled on on a little pull on a little pull up short jumper. Went to the line for two free throws. First one popped off the rim and missed. Down two with I think three seconds left. Conventional wisdom in basketball tells you to miss the second one intentionally, get it off the rim, and get the offensive board and pray for a putback. Executed it perfectly. They got I think three or four chances. Ben Simmons had a chance. Wilson Chandler had a chance. Mescala had a chance. Uh, ben nearly got it to go down off the putback. Chandler had a point blank look on, on, off of a bank, um, and he missed it. I don't know how he misses it. He's a 32. And I get it. Players miss shots. He's a 32 year old vet. Um, you know he got up there. He, he was he could have touched the rim if he wanted to. It was a point blank putback look and he had the backboard to kiss it off of and he just missed it. Miscala was short and the buzzer sounded the Sixers lost the game. They lose it one um, I think 123 to 121 was the final score. They dropped to 27 and 16 on the season. Um, 18 and 4 at home. And now they have the Knicks and then the Timberwolves and they have 11 of 12 games against 500 or better teams. So in a stretch where the Sixers really could have made some significant inroads, it could, it could be thir- they could have they could have gone into Indiana, the record of thirty-one and fourteen. They're now looking at twenty-nine and sixteen, and they should, it should it sh- and they should have won those back-to-back games. They should have won in Washington, that was a wash, and tonight was a disgrace. It was really a terrible, terrible loss. And the only thing you can look at is execution. Sixers turned the ball over thirteen times. They they couldn't make shots for a while. They were terrible on, on defense and it came, it came back to blame tonight. And they had no MB that, That's not an excuse. This Hawks team is terrible. Um, and now they're going to be in a tough spot where they got to try to find a way to fight to a, a 500 or better record against these two teams coming up. They're playing the, the, the Thunder, the Warriors, the Lakers, the Nuggets, the, the Rockets. In the Pacers, this is a tough stretch coming up for them. And they could easily get, get bitten in the butt, or they could easily prove that they're a contender. And to be honest with you, they're in a little bit of a different spot than they were last year because the are really good this year. Pacers are really good this year. I don't buy the Pacers because they really only have one star who I don't even really buy, to be honest. Um, you know, it's Toronto, it's Boston... And then it's the Sixers and the Bucks, and then it's the Sixers and the Pacers fighting that out. Sixers could end up as a five seed, and I don't trust them in any seven game series if they don't have home court advantage. And it would really be a shame if, due to the lack of depth on this on the back end of this roster, if they end up losing in the first round because the talent in the first four of Butler and Bead Simmons and and Redick, talented enough to get to the conference finals. And I, I don't hear what anybody says, they are. You there it's a it's probably the best big big four man starting lineup in the East. Chandler shouldn't even be a starter, but that's what it is, and so I don't even consider him really. But it's 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 probably for the best starting players you could get probably get in the East. And the way this roster is currently constructed, with no depth, it is paramount. It is of the utmost importance that they secure home court here the, the, the fourth or the third seed because seven game series with four of them on the road I don't know I do not know about that Um, so we'll see where you know it goes from here disappointing loss tonight obviously I'll be back on Sunday to play the Knicks in New York Knicks 10-32 on the season they gotta win that game because then you got Minnesota and then you got Indiana and then the stretch begins um, before we go before we sign out for the night do you like shotgunning beer do you want to increase your shotgunning time at parties check out my boys at the King Cobra the King Cobra is a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole in under a second it is also a bottle opener tab puller, vent puncher and all fits on a keychain check them out on Instagram at the King Cobra Co that's the King Cobra Co. And Cobra is spelled with a K. For a 10% discount on all products, enter the code, trust the Cobra 10, all caps, all one word. Pick up yours today. The feed to Embiid and its name is protected by U.S. copyright laws. Reproduction and distribution of the presentation of the feed to Embiid without my written permission is prohibited. Copyright to feed to Embiid 2018. And this has been a production of the Up and Under NBA. On Twitter, you can find them at the Up and Under and at the Up and Up and Under NBA. Thank you for tuning in. We will be back with some coverage of the Knicks on Sunday, hopefully after a win. Sixers drop it tonight, one twenty-three to one twenty-one. It moved. They dropped to eighteen and four on the season at home and twenty-seven and sixteen overall. It will be in New York. On Sunday, play the Knicks in MSG. The Knicks are ten and thirty-two. Thank you for tuning in, and have a wonderful night, everybody.